Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Hey, Boomer! Come on now, what a game was it. My goodness. Listen, it doesn't matter if you win by a lot or a little. A W is a W. Amen. Hallelujah. Right? But on the fan side of things, could, could we win by a little bit more next time? Is that, is that, is that okay, fellas? Is that okay? Just, just a little bit more. Just, just, man, golly. Hey, listen, I just want to have a little side note here is um, I have a little trouble hearing y'all because y'all are so far away. Um, and if y'all want to shout me down, that, that's okay with me, all right? If you want to say some amen, hallelujahs, like that's okay, all right? We're not shying here. Do you love Jesus, right? Come on now. So, man, listen, uh, we're going to be continuing our series in James tonight, and last week, James taught us how to be victorious over our trials, and I think the four main imperatives, the four main points that he gave us was rock solid on how to navigate and overcome those trials. But today, we're going to see how we can be victorious over temptation. Is that okay with you? Anybody ever struggle with temptation? Okay, four of you. That's awesome. The rest of y'all are holy. All right, show me what you got, all right? Before we dive in today, let's pray. Father, you are already here. Lord, your spirit is here. We ask you to continue to be in this place. I ask you to void out any distractions, void out homework, void out any issues that we have outside of this arena tonight. Lord, we ask you to continue to be here. Let your spirit be here. Let us learn how to be victorious over temptation. Lord, give us strength. Give us courage. Give us passion for tonight. Lord, let these words be your words for your name. Amen. If you would turn with me to James chapter 1, verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted... I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and when sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be kind of first fruits of his creatures. Students, when we are looking at temptation tonight, I want us to walk away with two things about temptation. First and foremost, I want us to look at the source of temptation, and then I want us to be able to look out and see how to overcome temptation. So what is the source of temptation? Where does temptation come from? Verse 13, James points out that let no one say when he's being tempted that I'm being tempted by God. God is not a source of our temptation. You know, when studying for this text, I actually really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this text because I believe in your current state of life, where you are at from 18 to 27 years old. I don't know where, maybe some of y'all have taken a couple extra victory laps, amen? 
hey, your mom and Jesus still loves you, okay? I really enjoy this text because of the current state of your life. And you have had some hard trials like we talked about last year. Some of y'all have had some hard trials, and I can connect with you with that. I can understand, and I don't want you to look down on your trials as a problem, but I want you to look up and notice that, that it's a promise from God on how to overcome those trials. But I believe that tonight's sermon, I think that most of us, if not all of us, struggle with temptation. And I think it's going to hit a lot of us on how to overcome temptation. So when I was, I was excited when I was studying for this text, because when I first opened it up and I was looking at the original form that it was written in, I noticed something strange. I noticed when I was looking at verse 13, I noticed that the, the word that James used for trials was the same Greek word that he used for temptation. I was like, how can that how does that make sense? It kind of threw me off. Like, how can you interpret one as trials and one as temptation? And as I started looking into the text and studying the text, I saw that the context of each event is, is what showed and illuminated how we could understand it. Because when he was referring to trial, his conclusion was that a trial was created or allowed by God for your spiritual growth and for your spiritual maturity. And when he was referring to temptation, as we are learning in this text, it was shown as a device used to go against your growth and against your spiritual maturity. So in other words, trials are made to develop you and temptations are made to defeat you. So here's where it kind of got crazy as I started studying a little bit more is I saw that you can also have both a trial and its temptation happen at the same time. Because God might have sent a trial to help you in your life, but you might have turned it into a temptation. God might have sent Adam and Eve into the Garden of Eden but he, he said, you can have everything in this garden except for that tree. Don't eat of that tree. Don't smell that tree. Don't lick that tree. Don't hold hands with that tree. Don't give lovey-dovey eyes with that tree, right? But what happens? That devil, that devil, that sounded so country. I'm getting hiccup in here. Which is our source number one of temptation, he's a slippery snake, is he not? And he starts whispering in your ear, you need that tree. You want that tree. Why wouldn't God give you that tree? And when this happens, you use what God put there to test you, but you allow the devil to tempt you with it. And before I talk more about the devil's tactics and schemes, Let's talk a little bit more about two more sources of temptation. Verse 14, it says, You are tempted when you are lured and enticed by your desire. And when this happens, it gives birth to sin. And when sin happens, it brings forth death. Lured and enticed is two events that go on constantly for you and I. You are lured by the things that are worldly, source number two. And we have decisions that we have make? Are we going to let this word uh, be the path to our life? Or are we going to let everything else in this world be the direction of our life that we want to go? And then our third is flesh. 
It's our passions. It's our yearnings. It could be gluttony. It could be a disordered passion. It could be something as many of y'all talk, thought about when I, said, when I said that we're talking about temptation. It could even be sexual immorality. But these are our three sources of temptation is the devil, the world, and the flesh. And what I believe that what James is trying to convey to his audience is when you are being tempted, it isn't a sin until you act on that desire. In country terms, it ain't a sin until you sin. And that's where I believe the battle of spiritual maturity happens for you or I. When you can decipher, is this something that is luring and enticing me? Something that is either from the devil or from the world or from my flesh to sin? Or is this something that is going to grow me in my spiritual maturity with God? And when whatever temptation is happening to you, I think what James is trying to say, it's going to be like a little piece of bait on a sharp hook that you don't necessarily see. And to see a fish probably is not going to bite down on an empty hook, but he is going to bite on a hook that has a big old fat shad on it, all right? And you can probably catch some big old fat daddy catfish. Any fishermen out there? Come on now, all right? All right. Any fishers of men out there? All right? Come on. Fishers of men. I love you guys. Let me tell you a little secret what I feel is usually happening in my own life. Temptation to me doesn't usually show its ugly head at first, right? It's not usually like this big thing. Like usually if I can see it from a mile away, like I run from it, right? If I, if I know that it's there, if I, if I, you know, I'm just like, I just don't want it. And that's not what usually happens to me. Usually there's breadcrumbs, right? Something that starts out small and it leads into something bigger. For example, my wife and I, we fight from time to time. So, all right, no, that's a surprise, okay? I know that's a surprise. Y'all think we're just so holy, okay? She is, I'm not, let's just be honest. All the interns are like, no, we see y'all fight quite often, all right? But what usually happens with us is a big argument doesn't happen right at first. It starts in the morning when, when I wake up and she's like, why is your towel still on the floor? I'm like, you're right, I'm sorry, right? Get up, and then I forget to make the coffee the night before. Why isn't the coffee made? You're right. You're right. I got I'm sorry. Okay? Then I'm late to dropping the boys off, and I'm like, please don't get mad at me, but I'm late for the boys' drop-off, and guys, it just escalates, right? And then I get home, and I mean, it's like, I do. I screw up a lot, okay? If you're, none of y'all are married out there, but husbands screw, out, uh, screw up a lot, all right? And I'm telling you, it just gets into a bigger fight. And then it just like my pride is matching her pride and her pride is matching my pride. And we're just, we're, we're like getting to this argument and it gets big and it gets big. And then in the middle of the argument, we're like, what are we even fighting about? And she's like, I don't know. And you love me? I love you. Okay, we're good, right? And it's just, we move on with our life. <laughs> College students, if I can contextualize what this text is trying to say here. I counsel many students a week, and what I have found is that the devil drops breadcrumbs to lead us into temptation. And here's how I've seen it happen so many times. The first thing that I've seen is social media is destroying us. Social media, it can be used for great things. I guarantee it can. 
It can, it can be a place where you can promote Jesus to thousands. It can be a place where you can share some hope. But what I feel about social media is that it can be little bitty breadcrumbs to a bigger bait. You want me to tell you what the, one of the biggest baits that I have seen in social media that I feel is destroying many people is this little thing called comparison. It's a deadly temptation for many of us. What do you do? Maybe you compare their body to your body. Maybe you compare their friends to your friends or lack thereof. Maybe you compare their family to your family, their car to your car, their house to your house. See, it's just this little bitty breadcrumb that just escalates and it keeps on growing and growing and growing. And this is where I believe temptation has won in comparison through social media is when you aren't grateful, grateful for what you have for where you are at in this walk in life, or for what you look like. You are, taking, um, you, are, you are taking where he has you to be less than where you want to be. And I believe that's where in comparison has become a temptation. What else have I seen start off small and end up big? Is porn. It's a huge temptation, and I've seen it grow even more in girls now than it was 10 years ago, and now it's very strong in both girls and guys, and let me tell you what I hear usually. It doesn't usually start because you go look at some porn website. It usually starts because you start scrolling on Instagram, amen? No one's going to own up to that, right? No, right? Like... It's not because you're looking through your friends and you're like, oh, I'll, that's a good guy or that's a good girl. No, no, it's because you hit that little search bar in the bottom, right? And you start scrolling through everything. And it's not like you're going to just stop and say, oh, that Bible scripture is so holy, love it, praise Jesus, hashtag Jesus hands, right? Like, it's not like you're looking at that or, oh, that guy posted a good lawn, that grass looks great. You're going to get there, guys. When you become a dad, you just love a good grass shot, all right? A good lawn just, man, it just gets me riled up. I love it. No, you don't stop there. Be honest with yourself tonight. You're scrolling with intent. You're looking for someone that is attractive. And you click on them, and if you can be honest, you search for what you're hungry for. Guys, you usually look for that swimsuit picture, huh? Girls, you search for the guys, sun's out, guns out, right? But how quickly does it change when you go searching for someone's swimsuit and then quickly searching for them in their birthday suit, right? I couldn't come up with anything creative for that. That's about as good as I get. Porn is taking over this world because people keep taking the bait because it starts with breadcrumbs and just kind of scrolling and searching and it starts off small and then, man, it's just a hook that hooks so many people. And I'm telling you, it's an addiction like I've never seen before. Listen, I don't know what you're falling for. It could be a variety of temptations. I don't know what desires you have in your heart. I don't know what bait you keep on biting. But, but acting on your desires when, when you think that they are worldly or fleshly or from the devil, it's going to be something. It's just one equation. It's where you leave God out of your life. You put God on a shelf when you look at 
porn. You leave God on a shelf when you pull out that cheat sheet in your classroom to pass that test. You put God on a shelf and turn him around when you think, take things a little too far physically with that one person. And this is what happens when you act on your desires is it creates sin, but later it says when sin has its full effect, what does it bring? It brings forth death. Now obviously... All of us aren't going to drop dead and breathe our last if we look at porn or, or if we cheat on that test, because obviously crossover would be a little lighter next week. No, you're not going to die. But what does death mean when it's looking into the scripture? Is It simply means this, is that you're going to lose fellowship and reliance on God. It disrupts the conversation and the guidance that you have with him. See, some of you right now, you're wondering, how come I don't hear God? How come I don't feel God's presence? How come I just don't feel like I'm walking in a relationship with him? It's because you're walking in sin. Can we just be honest about that? Are we afraid of being honest in this world anymore? You can't hear God because you have put him on the shelf and you are listening to the world, the devil or the flesh. And this is why confession is so important to us Christians because the first thing that you do when you're walking with Christ and you're trying to mature your relationship with Christ is confessing sin. Lord, forgive me for this. And as soon as you confess it, it's like the floodgates open back up and you can have that relationship with him and you can talk with him and you can walk with him. But here's the second thing. And the second thing is, is, is not as important, but it's just, it's very close, is that you need to confess your sins to one another to have someone else hold you accountable. Do you have anybody holding you accountable for your walk in this world? Iron sharpens iron, but you have to have another piece of iron to sharpen you. But how do we overcome temptation? Students, when you're walking and temptation comes your way, and I know all the desires are flaring up, I want you to walk in meditation on 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, no temptation has overtaken you that is common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with every temptation, he will also do what? He will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. First thing you do when you try to overcome temptation is you gotta look for an escape, amen? With every temptation comes an exit strategy. God might, not have, God might not have created the temptation, but he will always provide a way out of the temptation. Can I just be honest with you here? Is that there, this is where I can really tell if, how serious you are about being a follower of Jesus. It's not, not this prideful walk with Jesus. Like, oh, like I'm so holy and I'm so, like, I'm so look at me. I can walk on water, right? I can do these things. I can do that. No, it's, it, that's, that's not what shows me how much you, you are following Jesus and loving Jesus. What shows me how much you follow and love Jesus is by how much you try to exit temptation. This is where you can tell if you're a follower or a fan of Jesus because you know how broken and lost and sinful you really are, amen? And you know how God is good and how he is merciful and he is loving and he is compassionate and you build that relationship with him so much that you just don't want to disappoint your father and you're so connected with him. You don't want to lose that constant connection with him and you know that there's an exit plan to every temptation that comes your way and instead of 
gawking on that temptation. You're like, where do I need to go, Lord? How do I need to get out of this situation? Where is my exit strategy? You got to run like Joseph ran away from Potiphar's wife out of some situations, amen? See, this is where I know when you're walking with Jesus is when you're constantly exiting temptations. Like you just don't allow them in your life. Like that online test comes now. Come on, last year. You got that online test, and what does it say? No notes and no books. Eh? Eh? Come on. See, in seminary, they, the, the last question on every online test was, do you promise before God and before man that you did not cheat on this test? That'll hold you accountable, right? No, but you run from it. You go put your books out in your car, lock the door and say, you know what, I've studied hard enough and I'm gonna get what I get. I'm gonna trust you, Lord. What about how people treat you? Someone might talk down to you or disrespect you and your pride swells up and you wanna walk up one side of them and down the other. What happens? Lord, where's my exit strategy? Lord, you know what? I'm going to walk away because, God, you are a God that's going to take care of me. You're also going to take care of my enemies. You're going to fight my battles for me. You know, if, if they slap me, I'm going I'm to turn the other cheek. I'm going to give them my other tunic. If I am nice to them, at least the fragrance of Jesus will be left behind, not my pride. Let's go ahead and talk about the one thing that we've thought about when I first brought this up. Let's talk about some sexual temptation. Let's go ahead and just call it that. Come on now. You know, you finally get a couple dates with that certain somebody. You're excited, right? And it's getting about the time to get that first kiss. Come on now. That's a big deal, right? There's your exit strategy. Don't kiss them and walk away, all right? That's what Christians do. We don't kiss, all right? I am joking. Yes, come on now. But what if you kissed in such a way that you didn't, like, shame Jesus? What if you kissed and you, like, you, you like, made sure you're walking in a relationship with Jesus? You didn't kiss in your room with your bed, in your bed with your lights off. Like, I don't know how I got here, Brent. I don't know how he messed up. Well, hello. <laughs> no, you kiss outside your car like a goodbye kiss. You get to know them and you get to see who they are. You get to see who they are. You get to see their relationship with Jesus and you kiss as if like Jesus is right there. Like, like when you know that Jesus is literally watching you kiss, you're not going to kiss in such a way that you can like taste what they had for lunch. Like, oh, you had Thai Thai. Chicken fried rice level, spicy level three, right? Like, that's a great choice, right? See, people fall into temptation when their desire to sin is greater than their desire to follow Jesus is. And I can tell how much we love Jesus by how many temptations we are avoiding and ex exiting very well. Exit strategy is how we can overcome temptation, but we also need to do something else. We need to prepare ourselves before we even fight the battle of temptation. Ephesians 6, 10 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the what? 
the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and shoes for your feet, having put on readiness, given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. What Paul is telling the Ephesians here is simply this. Before you take action, you need to take a knee. Why? You need to take a knee because it's not your strength that is going to get you through this battle, but it's going to be God's strength that is going to get you in, through this battle. you got to put on the whole armor of God in order to withstand these schemes of the devil. You don't need to just put on some of the armor of God. So what is this armor of God that he is talking about in these six things? The first thing we need to put on is the belt of truth. The belt of truth is the belt that holds everything together in your life. Truth can only set you free if you allow it to set you free. The belt of truth is putting non-negotiables in your life for your love and for your service of Jesus. You surround yourself with truth, you believe in yourself with truth, and you establish your life and truth. Next is the bre breastplate of righteousness. What does the breastplate protect? It protects your heart. What does your heart express in, your in the Bible? It's your consciousness. It's consciousness in the Christian realm is for us to be righteous above all. Jesus paid for your righteousness when he died on that tree. We are righteous because he is righteous and we seek him in all the ways that we do this life. Verse 15 says, put shoes on your feet, having on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Christian life, students, it's always in motion. I know a lot of us want to sit and, and not move and not grow and we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. Walking with Jesus is constantly walking towards the gospel that he gave us. Some of us don't have peace in our life because we don't live the gospel in our lives. We don't have shoes or feet that are in motion towards Jesus because we're usually running away from Jesus to a disaster rather than towards him in peace. Where there is no Jesus, students, there will be no peace. We need to put on the shield of faith. What does it do? It blocks the darts of the enemy. It removes the distractions that he wants to overcome you with. See, the devil tries to take the focus off of himself, and he wants you to blame everyone else. Lord, I wouldn't have fallen if she didn't dress that way. I wouldn't have fallen if he wouldn't have, have started here and, and touched me and all this stuff. I wouldn't have done all this, Lord, if it wasn't for them. I wouldn't have gotten this inner tube, God, if, you know, McDonald's wasn't so tasty, right? It's McDonald's fault, and I just got a dad bod, you know? My wife still loves me. The helmet of salvation, it protects your mind, your brain. Your mind remembers something. It remembers your identity. 
I don't do things like I used to because I have a new identity. I am a new creation. I have an internal identity that Jesus paid for me on that cross. And you tell yourself daily, I am different than the world. I'm not going to fall to these temptations from the devil. I'm not going to think with my flesh because I am a child of the King. I am a child of God. He loves me. He cares for me. He died for me. I'm not going to act that way because I have a new identity in Him. And then we have the sword of the Spirit. I love this text because when you look at it, it's translated in Rama, which is the original text, which means the spoken word. It's the utterance of the word of God. You use the word of the Spirit to defend yourself by the spoken word of God. Satan tempted Jesus three times in the desert, and all three times, you know what Jesus said? He says, well, it is written... And then he defended himself with the written word of God. See, if Jesus is the living word, using the written word to defend himself against the enemy of the word, then he, then he is showing us that we need to know the word of God so we can go have a Bible study with the devil. The devil, he's allergic to the scripture. You want to slay the, the dragon? Start slashing him with the sword of the spirit. So how do we... Be strong and overcome this. We need to put on his armor. How do we put on his armor? Verse 18, it says that we need to pray all times in this spirit. See, praying is how you put it on. Armor is what you put on. See, this armor is six things to describe one thing in our life. That one thing is Jesus. The armor is six different ways that the Bible describes Jesus, we need to put on the belt of truth. It says that I am the way and the truth and the life and no one can come to the Father except for me. We need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And the Bible says that he is all our righteousness. Put on the shoes of peace. Romans 5 says, in him we have our peace. Pick up the shield of faith. Hebrew 12 says, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Put on the helmet of salvation. It says that he is the captain of our salvation. Pick up the sword of truth, and the word of the Lord is our truth. You want to be victorious over temptation, you have to put on Jesus every single day. And when you put Jesus on every day, you put on his strength to fight temptation every single day. See, when you put on Jesus, you don't have to be distant from God. You don't have a distant God that is in a far off place that is not living life with you. See, what, what we have is we have, a, we have Jesus, and when we put him on every day and we say, you know what, Lord, I have this temptation, I have this struggle that I'm dealing with, and Lord, I don't know how to get it. You know what, you got a God that says, you know what, I've been there. Let me show you what I did. Let me show you how to get through it. Hey, let me show you this exit strategy that I took, because I can show you that because I've been there before. He will lead us. He will guide us through this. So students, as we close up here, let me tell you what happens when you let temptation win? When you cheat on that test, or when you argue with that person, let's just get a little real serious here, even when you become drunk, when you go too far with that girlfriend or with that boyfriend, listen, you don't give Jesus a chance to be Jesus to you. 
You don't get, give Jesus a chance to show you victory over temptation. You don't get to go into a test and say, you know what, Jesus, you know what, I'm going to give this to you. Take what I have studied, and Lord, turn this water into wine. Amen. Some of us need to be praying at every test, right? But how crazy would it be if you walked away out of that test and you go and you don't only pass it, but you make it a better grade than you could ever imagine? All you would have to say is what? Thank you, Jesus. Imagine if you stopped doing what you're doing right now that you know that brings sin and shame in your life. And you know what? You know what, Lord, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to stop it tonight. And listen, God's going to give you a life that you, could even, that you couldn't even think of, that you couldn't even hope for, because you're going to let Jesus be Jesus in your life. Listen, I think some of us tonight, we need to... We need to grow in our maturity in Christ, and there's something hanging us up. And, and tonight, I'm going to have prayer teams down here. I'm going to have prayer teams in this middle section right here. And I'm telling you, some of us tonight, we need to go and pray some things away in our life. I think some of us tonight, we don't even know what, what this looks like. And I'm going to tell you this, is you can never overcome temptation if you don't have Jesus. Some of us tonight, we need Jesus in our life. And we need to trust him. And we need to... Ask him to be a part of our life and be the saviors of our world. Listen, we can overcome temptation when you look for an exit and when you put on the full armor of God. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for such a great word. You know, we look at temptation sometimes as, as it's just a daily thing, something not big, something that we overlook. But Lord, how much of a constant breaker does it, does it have between us and you? Let us have such a real sight on it tonight, Lord. Let's be able to really look at it tonight and realize that it is separating us. And some of us, tonight there's some temptation that we are falling under day in and day out. And Lord, we need to stop it. We need to let you be Jesus in our life. I beg that you give them courage and strength like they, they never had before. I ask that they drop that tonight. I ask them to go pray for, pray for it with the prayer team saying, you know what, I want to stop this. Will you pray for me to stop this and let us move on so I can continue my walk with Jesus like I never have before. Lord, give them courage and give them strength like they never had before. Lord, some of us in here, we want that relationship with you. But we never known like how to do that or what that looks like. And Lord, I ask tonight that they realize something is you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be complete. You don't have to have anything except that the fact that we just have to trust in you to be the Lord and Savior of our life. I ask them tonight just to say, you know what, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I ask you to be uh, the Savior of my life and come to my life. And I want to walk with you and I talk with you and I want to figure this thing out with you, Lord. And I asked him to go to the prayer team and say, you know what, I prayed this prayer and I want you to be able to pray over me for this and let me walk through this. Lord, give them strength and courage to be able to rise up in this darkness and be able to come to your light. Lord, be with us during these next couple songs. Let's be able to worship with our hearts and with our words for it's your name. Amen.